Welcome to On the Ballot with Ballotpedia, where we take a closer look at the week's top political stories. Ballotpedia connects people to politics by providing neutral, nonpartisan, and reliable information on our government, how it works, and where it's headed. We're here to give you the facts so you can form your own opinion. I'm Victoria Rose, and thanks for being with us. Today, we're going to be previewing early voting and sharing some stories from our help desk with staff writer Jarek Adams. Hi, Jarek. Hi, Victoria. And we're also joined today by staff writer David Lukes. Hi, David. Hi, Victoria. So to start, I figured we could have you each introduce yourselves and for our listeners and give a brief background about what you did before Ballotpedia, what you do at Ballotpedia, et cetera. So let's start with you, Jarek. Okay. So I started at Ballotpedia back in 2013. So I've been with Ballotpedia for nine years now. When I first hired on, I was in the municipal government project, which was just beginning at that time. Since then, I've worked in a lot of different capacities at Ballotpedia, but for the last several years, my main focus has been on election policy. Got it. And um, I heard you're also in law school currently. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. I actually started part-time just last fall, so I'm just about through with my first year of courses. How about you, David? Well, I came to Ballotpedia right after uh, college, so this has been my first kind of real full-time thing. I've been with Ballotpedia since April of 2017, so coming up on five and a half years now. And I think really just what drew me to it was having the opportunity to work on that sort of nonpartisan fact-based coverage. I think that's just so important. Back when I started, we had a desk structure. I was on the state desk at the time. My whole thing was state executives covering governors, secretaries of state. We've since reorganized and I've been on the marquee team ever since covering just all sorts of elections. I think that's one of the things I really enjoy is getting to see everything from local municipal races all the way up to the big national, the presidential action. We cover a little bit of everything here at Ballopedia. And so it's it's been really exciting to see that unfold and develop. Yeah, definitely. I feel like sometimes people don't realize how much action happens at the local and state level. That's fun to watch. So speaking of action, primary season just wrapped up and we are just like recovering from all of that. But general election is around the corner. Early voting actually starts on the 23rd in Minnesota, South Dakota and Wyoming. Where do things go from there, guys? So a few other states will begin early voting in September. On the 24th, it begins in Vermont and Virginia. And then on the 29th, voters in Illinois, Michigan, and North Dakota can head to the polls. Pennsylvania voters also might have the ability to vote early this month, depending on the counties they live in. The exact start date varies based on when those counties print their ballots and make them available to voters. But next month is when things really start to pick up. Next month, there's going to be another 35 states that are going to open early voting periods. There are also two more states, Kentucky and Oklahoma, that will be opening early voting periods in November, just right before the November 8th general. There are actually just five states, those being Alabama, Connecticut, Mississippi, Missouri, and New Hampshire, that do not offer universal in-person early voting. It's important to note that in those states, voters that meet certain eligibility requirements might still qualify to vote early, but it's not a universal option open to all voters in those states. Yeah, I have to make a plug for my day job, ballot measures. Um, Connecticut is actually voting in November on a constitutional amendment that would allow no excuse early voting so that they may be joining the 45 other states that currently allow no excuse early voting. And at a basic level, all that means is that voters don't have to provide an excuse as to why they can't vote on election day. How we vote and voting laws like early voting have received increased attention following the 2020 election. Ballotpedia is committed to neutrality, so we don't have a position on early voting as a policy. But what are some of the arguments for and against early voting, David? Well, as you can imagine, Victoria, there are a lot of arguments out there, um, both from proponents and opponents of early voting. 
So proponents of early voting supporters argue that early voting opportunities expand access to voting among eligible voters while still maintaining the security of elections compared to other methods like, for instance, all-male voting. Supporters of the policy say that early voting decreases the number of people who need to go in and vote on election day. This means shorter wait times at the polls. It means no need for voters to secure time off work or find coverage for childcare. And they argue that this really has potential in particular to increase turnout among groups that already have lower turnout rates, particularly lower income voters and voters of color. Critics of early voting, on the other hand, argue that citizens who vote early might be more likely to make ill-informed decisions. They say early voting is correlated with lower turnout rates, and that it also makes it harder for voters to vote strategically, especially in situations like, for instance, a presidential primary, where the candidate a voter prefers most might not actually be the one they end up needing to vote for. They also add that early voting introduces additional potential for voter fraud. And is early voting something that runs all the way up until election day, or how does that work? The average duration of early voting periods is roughly 20 days this year. That's down from 21 in the 2020 election cycle. It can be as short as just two days in some states like Kentucky, which we mentioned earlier is opening early voting in November. It can last as long as 45 days in states like Minnesota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Most states follow an overall sort of similar framework where every early voting period ends at some point between November 1st and the 7th. So at a certain level, it kind of makes sense, right? States that begin the earliest permit voters a longer amount of time to early vote. Got it. And Jarek, what sort of resources do we provide here at Ballotpedia that can help voters who are preparing to vote early? Well, we, um, we detail early voting laws and policies for each state. So if you're interested in seeing what specific, what's specific to your state, you can easily do that. And of course, our sample ballot tool is a great way to see the actual ballot that you'll be voting for uh, when you end up going to the polls. But we also have an election help desk that's designed to answer the most common sorts of questions that we receive from voters, both leading up to and after an election. So kind of like a frequently asked questions pages for voters, right? Right. That's exactly it. It might seem like a long time ago, but I'm sure you remember all of the uncertainty and debate that surrounded the 2020 election. At that time, we made a list of all the questions that we could come up with regarding elections and then paired them with the questions pouring in from voters to create the election help desk for the presidential election. We're uh, really excited to expand upon that support in the midterms. That's exactly right. Our, our goal has been to create a one-stop shop for voters, and the information we provide on the help desk is pretty comprehensive. Um, at this point, we're still updating pages and we're getting some of the content ready, but there's already plenty there to help voters start getting ready to vote. I'd love to run through a few examples of the source of information voters can find at the help desk. The first thing I'd be searching for on here might be, I don't know, maybe like important dates and deadlines for my state. Definitely a big reason that people visit the help desk. And we've got a few different articles related to important dates and deadlines that you can find there. These are really simple, straightforward articles that our readers can use to find important voting related deadlines, such as early voting dates, absentee mail-in request deadlines, and return deadlines for absentee mail-in ballots. That's really helpful. I'll definitely have to check it out. I took a quick look at the help desk before our conversation, and a few different FAQs caught my attention that our listeners might also be interested in knowing about. Like, for example, how absentee voting actually works. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, that page points to all the different stages of the absentee voting process that someone might need to know about. That goes all the way from obtaining a ballot, which can occur via request or automatically sent, being sent by the state, all the way to the verification of ballots. And that's all important information. And since you brought it up, another page I found interesting was, why do states have different election rules? 
we get that question more often than you might think, uh, and it's more complicated than just chalking it up to states' rights or something like that. This article is a great primer as to why. Election rules, just they vary widely from state to state because the states, as opposed to the federal government, play the primary role in creating policy and administering elections. State legislatures and ballot measures create many of the rules governing ballot access, voter registration, and vote counting. Well, I know both of you will be very busy as election season continues to ramp up, but hopefully we can have you both back sometime later this year. And our listeners can check out the links in our bio to learn more about early voting or to visit our help desk to start prepping. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah, thanks, Victoria. Hey, listeners. This is Jeff Powell here at Ballotpedia's Editor-in-Chief. One of the best ways to be an informed voter is by reviewing your ballot before heading off to the polls. And here at Ballotpedia, We've tried to make that as simple as possible with our sample ballot tool. With just a few clicks, the sample ballot tool gives you a comprehensive glimpse at what you'll be voting on. Ballotpedia includes comprehensive election information for the largest 100 cities by population, as well as statewide and federal elections across the nation. Our coverage scope for local elections continues to grow, and you can use this tool to see what elections we're covering in your area. Click on your candidates to read their biography, view past election results, read their campaign stances, or their responses to our proprietary and unique candidate survey and more. We also provide election overviews and encyclopedic information on our 300,000 articles and growing fullballpedia.org database. Don't head to the polls this election season without checking out Ballopedia's sample ballot tool. You can find that at ballopedia.org slash sample ballot. Now back to the show. Hello again, everyone. In today's episode, Bali Politics proficiently peruses primaries. Kicking off this segment is the trivia question. How many states use primary runoffs? All shall be revealed soon. So, primaries. There are multiple types of primaries and significant variation in when they are held. They could be three, four, five, or even more months earlier than the general election. And the differences in primary timing can also change within a state or local jurisdiction depending on the office the election is for. And depending on your definitions, there can be about six or more different types of primaries. For congressional and state-level offices, 21 states have open primaries where a voter can choose which primary to vote in regardless of party affiliation, or it might be a state that just doesn't track party affiliation. And some political observers refer to some of these as semi-open, where that voter has to publicly declare which party primary they are participating in. Hey, guess which primary I'm voting in? On the opposite end of the spectrum are the 14 states with closed primaries, where a voter can only vote in a party's primary if they are registered with that party. And then there is a type that is sort of in the middle of open and closed called a semi-closed primary. Found in 15 states, voters have to vote in the primary of the party they are affiliated with, but voters unaffiliated with any party can choose which primary to participate in as long as that party allows for a semi-closed primary. So those are the common types of primaries, primary, 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 but there are also a few quirky ones. California and Washington use top two primaries in congressional and state level elections where the two top vote getters, regardless of party affiliation and share of the vote they receive, move on to the general election. And that's the case even if the first place candidate receives over 50% of the vote. And Nebraska also uses this, but it's only for state legislative elections. And Alaska just became the first state to use a top four primary, where the top four vote getters move on to the general election. And then Louisiana has its own primary type. It's been called several different things like a jungle primary or a blanket primary, which is incorrect. 
or as the state's secretary of state's office has called it, a majority vote primary paired with a plurality vote general election. At Ballotpedia, we simply named it the Louisiana Majority Vote System. Works almost exactly like a top two primary, except somebody can win the election outright if they get a majority of the vote. And a couple of final tidbits before I answer today's question. In four states, different parties use different primaries. For example, in Utah, Democrats use a semi-closed primary while Republicans use a closed primary. And as of June 2021, 37 states have the same type of primary for presidential preference and congressional slash state level offices for at least one party. Now, back to today's trivia question. How many states use primary runoffs? The correct answer is 10, though a few states have unique stipulations for what is required for a runoff. And if you answered correctly, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of points at the moment. We'll make more. Just uh, give me your debit card number and I'll get the points over to you later. But that's it for me today. More facts coming at you next week. So uh, uh, do the thing, Victoria. I will, Paul. And before we go, I wanted to highlight our Weekly Brew newsletter, which is a great resource with a roundup of Ballotpedia's biggest stories of the week. Here's a glimpse of the September 16th edition. There are four states with a governor of one party and veto-proofs legislative majorities of the opposing party. They include Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, and Massachusetts. We call this a supermajority conflict. We saw these legislative majorities override governor vetoes 18 times during 2022. There are three states that could also have a supermajority conflict after the midterms this year. They include North Carolina, Vermont, and Wisconsin. And in other news, we're close to having our final count of certified ballot measures for the November 8th ballot. As of September 14th, election officials have certified 137 statewide ballot measures for the ballot in 37 states. That's 28 fewer measures than the average number certified at this point in other even-numbered years from 2010 to 2020. For more, go to ballotpedia.org and find the email updates tab or use the link in our show notes to sign up for the Weekly Brew newsletter or to check out our other newsletters. And that's all I have for you for this week's episode of On the Ballot. Thanks again to Jarek, David, and Paul for coming on the show. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week for a special episode celebrating Ballotpedia's 15th anniversary. Until then, if you have any questions, comments, or love for Ballotpedia, feel free to send it to us at ontheballot at ballotpedia.org or on Twitter at Ballotpedia. I'm Victoria Rose. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.